0: I've got a legend side in front
1: Welcome to the BAL Podcast, I am Miss Bonsu, today we have DJ Aries, we have Intabi, we have Colin and we have a very special guest that we will introduce to you later on in the show. But for now, let's go to Intabi for this week's news.
2: So I've just got quick news for today. So we're going to talk about some lifestyle stuff. And then as you know, we'll be giving out news on social media. So keep up to date with our social media at the BAL podcast. But if you guys didn't know, there's a Netflix series called um, Blood and Water, which was pretty top of the range when it comes to African um, stuff that's coming out of Africa. Netflix has just... um, released it for uh, another season, so se- season two of the original series um, Blood and Water has been renewed for second season, so look out for that. And what's great, because we're talking all things Nigeria this week, um, OK Africa published a dope article about how fashion designers are rebuilding the fashion industry post-COVID, because designers depend on getting fabric from China, India, Vietnam, etc. They need to switch they supply source up. Um, in many ways, I believe this is a good idea for designers to open factories at home I don't know if you guys remember. A few weeks ago, I mentioned Cameroonian designer Kibone New York, who had a factory in Cameroon, but because of the war in Cameroon, had to take um, she had to open up a new factory in Nigeria. So yeah, some dope designers. I feel like you guys should look out for or follow them on social media. Uh, I'm just gonna pick two today, and this is Lisa Folau. Excuse my pronunciation. Folauio. She's known for her label Jewel by Lisa. She's a self-made designer who fuses African fabric and modern tailoring techniques. I just love her take on um, modernizing the African print and making it look current and chic. So you guys can check her out. That is Lisa. And it, it's Joel by Lisa. That's her, her label. Another one is Zizi Kado. She's known for her label, Zizi. She showcases Nigerian fabric and um, promoting Ankara. She has had her um, designs um, on catwalks in Paris, Milan, Cape Town, and the U.S. She designs for the global world. And you can see that in the various pieces and products that she produces. So shout out to those two designers. And I can't talk about lifestyle news if I'm not talking about food because I myself, I'm a big foodie. And still sticking to Nigeria, um, I reached out to a friend of mine who is uh, Colin and Benny, you know him. Irabo Okusan who is the host of Movie Roadshow, Talk TV 24-7 and Boss basketball on 99.3 Nigeria. He gave me some information of some restaurants that you guys can look out for when the next time you are in Nigeria. And the two that, oh, two or three that I'm going to highlight today that he mentioned was Javinik. Um And I looked them up and according to the reviews, people like the local Nigerian setting of the restaurant along with local cuisines like what Uncle Colin loves so much, Egusi soup, goat meats and coconut rice etc so yes that's one of them the second one that i wanted to talk about is 100 hours bar and restaurant again people go on about their food and the space and um just the taste of the cuisine that they have there but one of my favorites and this is the last one i'm going to mention right now is knock by alara I really like what this spot looks like. It's very uh, aesthetically pleasing with contemporary artwork on the walls and the menu just looks delicious. And it showcases the, even the art pieces in the uh, in the restaurant showcase um, stuff from across the continent. Just even the food itself, you could see stuff from across the continent. I saw some, even some... Um, Jamaican jerk chicken there so yeah shout out to them so if you are in Lagos Nigeria check out these three restaurants and when I come to Nigeria I'll definitely be checking those restaurants out and that is all I have for you guys today
1: thank you so much And we'll go straight to Colin for all the Africa news
0: um, the big story happening in Nigeria this week: Radio host Dan Foster, who is um, well an American who moved to Nigeria, I think in the early 2000s, uh, he's died of coronavirus. So the whole country is in mourning for him he was such um, a well-known voice on morning radio in Nigeria and he's done a lot to both train people in radio and also change the landscape of um, radio in Nigeria so that's a sad one for us especially for those of us who knew him uh, Dan Foster was called the big dog because I mean like he was such a great man but yeah he died his wife said he um, got coronavirus symptoms and he died soon after and now she's gone into isolation so Let's just um, say prayer for Dan Foster, wherever we are um, around the world in Nigeria. And in also something quite sad, but also in a way um, a little bit better is, you know, we talked about the killings in South Africa of South African women a couple of weeks ago. Now, so a suspect has been arrested in the death of um, in the stabbing death of um, a South African, the pregnant South African woman. And he's been charged to court. So hopefully we'll have justice there for not just her, but for all the other South African women who have um, suffered this um, violence and not just South Africa but also other women African around the world who've been suffered um, who's suffering domestic violence. And on to better, almost better news and this is something that will concern us especially those of us who might be flying around Africa for a little bit. SAA! It looks like we're doing a lot of South Africa these days huh? <laughs> so SAA who've not made a profit since 2011 are undergoing a restructuring now so we're hoping that this might lead to some changes in the airline. As it stands now, um, they're going to get almost five six $600 million uh, planned from the government to rescue the airline, and the funds will cover the creditors and also pay off uh, some of the severance packages they're owing to workers. And then they're going to come back as a leaner, more um, economically fiscal airline. So that should be some good news for the BAL because I'm sure that a lot of people flying around the continent will be flying on SA. I know I fly SA a, a lot. so. That's um, some bit of good news for us. Also in Southern Africa, we have Zimbabwe where salaries are going to be increased by 50% because the inflation rate has gone up to 785%. Can you believe that? Inflation rate of 765% in um, Zimbabwe. That's huge. And also additionally, now all of this money is going to be paid in Zimbabwe currency, which is the local Zimbabwe dollars. But now in addition to all of that, they are also going to be getting a COVID-19 allowance of $75 a month, while pensioners will get a COVID-19 allowance of $30 a month, all to be paid in US dollars. So, not such bad news for um, Zimbabwe anyway. And finally, from Kenya, the government has said that they are banning... The, you no know, Premier League matches, started, football started today in the Premier League. So, and normally Kenyans go to watch in um, viewing centers and shops and bars, but the government says no... COVID-19 lockdown still in place. So viewing centers and bars are still closed. So you either you watch from home or you don't watch at all. And that is all from me, Benny.
1: So they are banning people from going to watch football. How is that gonna work?
0: Well, like I said, normally people go to watch at viewing centers. And you know, viewing centers are places where you can't practice social distancing because people crowd around. And when there's a goal, people jump and celebrate and hug each other and do all sorts. So the government is saying, you know what? Stay home or don't watch at all.
1: But let me get something straight. If I'm correct, Africa has not practiced any social distancing since this COVID. (laughs) I don't know why that now, the Premier League has started, you're coming to now start doing social distancing. They haven't (laughs) done it. Nigeria hasn't done it. Ghana tried to do a lockdown, but people still went to the market. Like, (laughs) what is going on? Is this just politics?
0: I'm sure it's on fault.
1: Of course it's my fault, huh? (laughs) It's it's but in tabi i loved your list i loved your list list of lifestyle mm-hmm. you know about the restaurants you're talking about because i didn't hear any ghanians in there <laughs> i mean those are great you should check
2: them out like and then the thing is i don't know what the you know colin always uh, translates the naira to whatever currencies that we use some people the reviews of people are talking about um, the, the, the price is too high in some places. I mean, we could ask our guests once we introduce him what he thinks about these specific restaurants. But the one that I was talking about, Knock, I think I, I like it because I'm such a contemporary person and I just love all things contemporary. So even the look of the website, everything just looks very inviting. I feel like if I was in Nigeria, that's the spot that I would eat at the most because it's just
1: looks that way. coming and shaking his head like what? You know what I must say, because I was in Nigeria last year, the year before with Messiah for the Giants of Africa and we did a surprise party for Messiah at Nock and I really enjoyed the food over there but also the building and the way they've structured it's, it's the interior it's just, it's, it's so modern that you walk in there if you didn't know you were Nigeria, you'd think you were somewhere else in the world. But I I dig. It. I don't know what, what Nigeria I'm calling is shaking his head for.
0: That's exactly the problem. You see, Nok is so is exact it's too oppity. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's for folks like you who are, you know, um, I just got back, folks. IJGB, that's what you call you guys. You know, I just got back. So who feel like, oh, you want to have the Nigerian experience, but you want to have it in a western kind of environment, uh, ambience, you know. If you want to have proper Nigeria, look Javanik is the place now Javanik the food is great and you know we normally have like soup and the swallow which is like the um, the the, 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 the cups now exactly now with Javanik the soup is like two times or three times more than the the, the, the the swallow you know and that's why people love it and it's not expensive knock it's opity it's expensive it's look the food is good no doubt about it I mean I would go there and eat the food is good but I'm saying that for a normal Nigerian person who wants to enjoy normal Nigerian food at good Nigerian prices, Javanik is a place to That's be.
1: That's with any country. Just like you go to Ghana, you choose to go to an appetite place or you go to a chop bar. I prefer chop bars. But when I was in Nigeria, the place that beside said it was nice to go eat was not. So I, that's, that was my first experience of Nigeria. But then also, we also went to a place where they do the suya, where you sit in your car for hours to try just to get a piece of suya. So I experienced both and I enjoyed both. And I think it's nice that people can see both sides of Nigeria. You can see the traditional and you can see the contemporary side of Nigeria, just like you do anywhere else in Africa. So, call mm-hmm. it. I don't think what you're saying is right, to be fair.
0: Trust me, Germanic food is better. <laughs> and, and it's better and it's less expensive. And I'm sure our guest will tell you the same thing when he comes on.
1: (laughs) Okay, before we go to our guest, actually, let's go to DJ Aries for today's entertainment news.
3: On Netflix, is a new documentary called Skin, produced by a Nigerian-British actress called Beverly Naya. So this series goes on about how, you know, colorism exists, and um, explores the beauty industry and how skin tone affects the securities, and insecurities of women, even men as well. And um, definitely it's on Netflix very soon, so watch out for that. Um, also, there's a few African documentaries that are available to watch. I'll give you a list of top five to look out for there's Pearl of Africa which is about a transgender woman who lives in um, Uganda and explores how she fits in society there and then there's the democrat so it's all about Zimbabwean politics so we'll find out about more about this inflation, I guess, what Colin explained to us. Um, and there's a, uh, another show called Sembra. So it's a Senegalese filmmaker. So it goes into about his story and how he influenced cinema in Senegal and West Africa. And then there's uh, another show called What Happened Miss Simone? Again, she's an activist, She's for the black people. And again, it goes in deeper and deals in deeper into her story. More less, not too much about the music, but you know what she thinks of how society runs for black people globally. And then the next one is Elephant's Dream, uh, which talks about multiple accounts of different types of people that live in DRC, you know, from countrymen, service countrymen, and service women, how you know their lives are inflicted by you know the Western aid and influences too. And then to music, um, new tunes to look out for from Ade Kunle Gold, the new track called Something Different. And we've got DJ Spinel, one of my favorites um, tonight. And then there's Effia and Tiwa Savage, a nice feminine duet called, together called The One. And then there's Yemi Allard with, Allarday, sorry, with Boys. And then last track, One Day Cold with, again, again these are one of the favorites coming out with some bangers as usual and um, these tracks are featured in the BL podcast playlist so watch out for
1: Thank you so much, DJ Aries. As you guys know, you're tuned into the BAL Podcast. as the official and official voice of the Basketball Africa League. And as you know, since we're in Africa, we're going to give you everything. The lifestyle, entertainment, and then the real stories of NBA and also the BAL that we have coming up. But before we go to our main guest, actually... What I want to touch on is really, really quickly about a restarting of the NBA. If you guys are paying attention, you would have seen that the new rules that have come out in regards to the restart is somewhat ridiculous. I mean, I mean, I'm sure some of you guys have heard it. The rules of them not leaving the campus, the rules of, you know, there's now a hotline where you can call and snitch on your team players if you see your team players doing something wrong. I just think this is going to be a nightmare, but that's my opinion and we're going to dive in deeper when we bring our guest and today's guest man he's a champion he he's a winner their team has been winning for many years river hoopers was established in 2009 they've been going strong since then in 2008 2000- 2019, was a bit shaky that they were going to pull out of the Africa Basketball League, but they didn't. They're here. They're still here, and now they're part of the BAL momentum that we have building up. The only team coming out of Nigeria, we're extremely excited. I mean, Colin is extremely excited because he feels like he's got an ally today, but I'm really excited because I think this man is going to be the story for the BAL when we get to the other end of it, when we're celebrating the Champions of Africa. So on today's BAL show, I'd like to welcome the general manager not coach the general manager of the river hoopers ife osaka please um welcome to the bal show how are you
4: very well thank you it's my pleasure to be here this is really exciting trust me
1: i'm excited for you how exciting is it for you to know that you and your team are going to the bal
4: extremely very exciting um this is this is what we've worked for this is what we've hoped for this is why i got into basketball management in the very first place, to be able to get on the podium, this kind of podium, to be able to get to a place where I could tell my kids, stay on the TV, watch, we're going to be playing. Or well, go ahead, look through your mom's phone, you are going to see us at a very high level. You know, this is why we got into this game. So it's very exciting uh, for the team, very exciting for me personally, especially knowing that, again, the BL offers such opportunity for improvement in our basketball in Nigeria, especially in my club. So it's very exciting.
1: Let's talk about your journey into basketball though. When did it all start? And how did you even end up at River Hoopers and now BAL? How did it all start for you?
4: My personal journey.
1: Your personal journey.
4: Very very interesting journey. Um, I tell my friends, I say, I'm sure my dad sees me now and sees that what I do for a living, what I make money off now is basketball and he's probably regretting it just a bit. You know, as a kid, I grew up on, um, in River State, where I uh, I live in, Olumeni, I don't know what I know, Olumeni streets. yeah, where they have the police officers' mess, uh, there's a basketball court there. My house was practically opposite to it. So as kids, I go there to play. Trust me, I got the beating of my life many times for trying to play basketball and not reading my books. As a matter of fact, I played for my secondary school team. I couldn't even afford a canvas, canvas shoes. Because my dad wouldn't have it, mm-hmm. he wouldn't just buy it. I had to play with my church shoes, mm-hmm. playing yeah. basketball then. Well, that was my journey into basketball and uh, started playing as a kid Then I got noticed. Uh, at some point around t- 1999, 2000, when there was the sports festival, I got to play for Bayosa State, then my state. The experience was amazing. Uh, we are in Calabar playing then. And then I noticed that I was from, my, my, my home is not, we're not a poor family, so to speak, an average family. So my dad could afford everything. But I got to Calabar, we had to live in hostels to play basketball. You know, every athlete, we lived in hostels. That was an experience to me. I never lived in hostels in my life. I had a room with my siblings, but I had to stay in hostels. So I got first hand experience of what players go through getting to play sports in Nigeria. Um, feeding nothing to write home about. Everything was a struggle, you know. So I, from then I told myself, I want to be in this game. I'd like to get really into this game, into sports. Know how I could better the lives of the athletes, the players, if ever I get into management. After then, year 2000 uh, was the first ever street ball. Uh, Adidas organized street ball. Emeka Ayadike yeah. organized street ball in Nigeria with Adidas. I played in that competition and I, I became the most valuable player. I was that good, trust me. MVP. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was the MVP of that <laughs> tournament. Yeah, you know. So from then, my journey started, and then um, at about 2006, 2007, when I was working closely with my boss then, Sindoff, some guy called Sindolf and Anthony, good guy, wonderful guy. He invested so much in basketball in River States. He started Royal Hoopers then. Now River Hoopers, Royal Hoopers started it. We started together and at some point he wanted me to manage the team because I was his friend and he could trust me. So that's how I got into management, Royal Hookers, now Rivers Super. And ever since, the journey has been amazing. I think that what has made me a bit outstanding, first of all, I think I was practically the youngest club manager in Nigeria at the time I started, even when we got to the Premier League. And then I think what has made me outstanding is the fact that I was a player and I saw the downside of it even in my little way. So the passion to see that when players play on the meet, um, make sure that they become something. You can make sure that they're, they're not suffering going through what I went through. Now it's not, been it's not been easy all the way. Of course, there are some downsides where players, some players will tell you that I'm probably the worst manager in the career. But, <laughs> but, but I know that all in all, 80 to 90% of them will tell you that I'm probably the best guy they ever worked with. So that's for sure my journey.
1: I think you're going to be the story that comes out of Africa at the end of the BAO in the first year because when you look at Nigeria, as much as I don't want to admit it because I'm a Ghanaian, when you look at the number of Nigerians in the NBA and the progression of Nigerians, I mean, I feel like you're going to be, be the story and the reason why I think you're going to be the story because of your journey and because of the way you manage your team and kind of the presence you guys have. What do you think that people will take from Africa once the BAL is launched globally?
4: Well, I, I think first of all, um, people will take the fact that we have talent. We actually do have talent. Um, I was I watched in Lagos a couple of years back when they had the uh, was this, the, the CBL and the ABL in Lagos. And uh, the, the story is similar with the BAL where you had to mix foreign players with African players. And it was amazing, it was fantastic. So you have foreign players going away from Nigeria and telling their colleagues abroad that Nigerian guys can ball. I feel we have a lot of talent here and they just need the opportunity to that stage where they're exposed to the entire world and people can see that we can ball. Again, there's a lot that we've done here in Nigeria. Well, not speaking for the entire Nigeria, but from my own perspective, from my club perspective. And I think that we also get the opportunity to tell our story. Like you said, it's 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 crazy out here uh, managing a club, okay? I don't know how in-depth you're going to get with discussions about management clubs in Nigeria, government involvement or private involvement, but it's a real story. If you follow that story very well, in 2019, like you said, uh, we played in the we, uh, what is now the ball. We represented uh, Nigeria there, one of the teams I represented in Nigeria. If you follow that story, so towards that tournament, we didn't have the money to go for the tournament. We couldn't afford it. It was days, a couple of days to the tournament. We couldn't afford it, but I didn't let go. I kept talking. My government my government wasn't coming through. I kept talking, kept talking, and then from nowhere, Julian I have a good relationship, uh, Colonel Sam, Julian Faran. Julian reached out and said, okay, we don't want to spoil the uh, the league that we're starting trying to get together. So let's see if we can come to an agreement with you guys. We'll advance you some money, we'll pay for your tickets, we'll pay for your hotel room, accommodation and all that. You guys just come and play. And that's how we went and we played. So the story is, is an amazing story. From 2009, when we started playing Premier League basketball, the story has been amazing, especially with regards to funding. That we're still here—it's amazing. Trust me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was gonna ask you about that because, from a Western perspective, owning a club is mostly um, for people that are, you know, that have that come from a lineage of money, whether it's generational wealth or business wealth. So when you talk about uh, being a general manager of a club in on the on the african continent that you mentioned that couldn't afford to go to the bal and things like that what does that entail to manage a club what does finances look like where do the financial resources come from and how do you maintain um good standing with the players because they need to get paid you know what i mean and they need to live and make a living out um from basketball
4: well um here with me in nigeria and river states where i work with the River Shoopers, it's a 50 50 thing, right? Um, most of the clubs here are owned by government, not by private individuals. Government funds sports in Nigeria. It's more like social responsibility, it's not for profit. And I, I think that's one of the downsides of sports in Nigeria. Hopefully, we get it right one day. If you have a government that is interested in your sports or interested in you personally, then they get to fund you. If government changes, and then that particular government that comes in, they're not interested in funding your sport, then you're back to square one. At a point in 2012, 2013, I ran the River Supers for practically two, three years, no funds from the government, no funds to pay uh, the, payers, the players, the salaries, no funds to attend matches. It was hell, right? So at that point, as a manager, you have to go out of your way. For me, it's more of passion because I played basketball. I there's one place I want to be. It's a basketball court. I want to watch my players play. In fact, when, when my players are playing, when I'm screaming at the, at, from the sidelines, a lot of people say to me, dude, you're supposed to be the general manager. You're not like a player or a fan. Stop screaming. And I'm like, no, that's just me. I'm passionate about it. So, for about two years, I had to source for funds. Not just source, I had to borrow money at some point, I had to sell off some stuff to keep the club going. You know, so, it's, it's very, very difficult. I hope that at some point we get it right and get to make a sports in Nigeria a business model where we know that we're in it for profit and things can be sustained. I'm lucky in River State with the uh, present government that I have in River State, that we have in River State now, they're funding us really well. From when the governor came in, in 2015 till today, he started paying 2016, sorry, he came in twenty fifteen, from twenty sixteen he started paying our salaries regularly. Before 2016, our salaries were not paid regularly, right? You, you you pray, you hope, you wait, and a year gets by, there's no salaries. But now we're being paid salaries regularly. So it'll be easier for me as a manager now to run, okay? But it's, it's, it's definitely not easy. And like I said, I hope that in Nigeria and in Africa, we can develop uh, business models for sports and not just do it as social responsibility for government.
2: So as we know that, you know, some of the African um, politicians and governments are not the most Mm -hmm. clean people um, that we experience, right? And you mentioning Mm -hmm. how to change it from government funding into something that is business. What will that look like? How do you make the switch from it to be something more profitable and uh, turning it into a business model and now, you know, government not being really affiliated with that club because they're not, you know, funding that club. How do you switch? How do you make that switch?
4: Well, first of all, I think that it has to do with our laws. Laws that govern sports um, in Africa, in Nigeria especially. I always give an example from the first time about 2012 or 2013 when we got to play in the African uh, Champions Cup, right? Champions Cup in Africa when we played against... A team like uh, was that Petro Atletico, I think so, from Angola. Was it Petro Atletico? One of the petrol clubs, anyway, from Angola. And I saw, the, I saw that team walking, and they were intimidated. Even before we got on the basketball pitch, who were already intimidated. Why were we intimidated? They were properly kitted, they came in as kings. So I got to do my research about the Angolan sports system, and I realized that there's petrol this, petrol that, petrol everything and all of them are owned by petroleum companies, not government-run companies. Yeah, so I got deeper into it. It's something that has to be done probably from the top. We have to change the laws to make sure that, for example, if companies are ready to fund sports, then we're ready to give them proper tax rebates so that they get really into sports. It's the funny thing is that it's doable. It's very doable. African countries have done it, and the African countries that that have done it they are ahead in sports. That's the truth. Those of us that are grappling with government, um, if Nigeria is ahead in international basketball, so to speak, I think it's just because we're very talented people. When it comes to management of the sports here, especially in uh, in what we do locally, both football, basketball, all of it, we haven't gotten it right. We need to get government government to back off. We need to get government to put the necessary laws in place. First of all, Tell putting uh, putting put in place laws that allow companies to get into sports, give them tax rebates, proper tax rebates, and in fact, there are countries that have almost a zero tax policy for companies that invest heavily in sports. Now, once you do that, the companies get into sports. You start having uh, the, the TV uh, TV stations coming. They want uh, people have TV rights. You have um, prize monies. For crying out loud, how do you you sponsor a basketball club in Nigeria as a private individual? Year in year, maybe six months, you're paying salaries to your players. And at the end of the league, there's nothing for you to win. You don't have one million, you don't have five million, you don't have 10 million. What are you doing it for? Benevolence. Sports is not benevolence. Sports is a business. So we need to get to the point and it comes from the top. It comes from the very top. We need to get sports administrators ministers of sports, whatever they are, we need to get them to sit down, draw up outlines, draw up what they need to send to the National Assembly to say, this is the way sports should be run. Let's get companies involved in it, let's give them proper rebates, zero taxes for companies that fund sports properly. If you own a basketball club or a football club, because we know that in a year, you are going to be spending over a hundred million naira, okay? If it's a football club, probably almost 200 million plus paying player salaries and all that. If you're doing that, then we cut your taxes by 70%. People are going to jump in. And then we need to also understand in Africa that sports is one of the highest employers of labor. Football, basketball, one of the highest employers of labor in the country. Yeah, you come and when you're doing elections in Nigeria, you go ahead and say you are going to employ 1 million people. Look at sports, you can do that through sports. You can do that through sports with the necessary laws, the, 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 the laws we need, you can do that. You can employ a whole lot of people. Families can change their lives. It happens every day.
2: <laughs> That's so good.
4: Uh,
1: Sounded like you, an uncle with the R at the end.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like Colin. Yeah, you can see how passionate you are. I, In fact, I'm happy you're so passionate because um, I'm challenging you. I've boasted to these ladies and everybody else who has come here that Rivers Hoopers will win the BAL. So, wow! Please your ear now. We're not, wow. we're not yet serious. <laughs> no, no. See, let, let, no. they, they will tell you that from the very beginning, I've been telling them when, whenever we say who's going to win the BAL, I've told everybody that Rivers Hoopers are winning it. So, if you guys so much as mistakenly do any comma, <laughs> uh, put me in
3: there. <laughs> but you will not
0: disgrace me. That is the first thing. You guys will not yeah. disgrace me. That, that one is for sure. Secondly, my question. Now, you look at the BAL and how important it is for all these clubs, all these teams to be involved. So my first question is, what does it, what would it mean for River Supers and the people of um, River State to be involved in the tournament this big? And I know that there were plans to sort of play the games in Lagos rather than Portaco because you know of an uh, arena issues. So is it possible that at some point because of the BAL would have a chance to bring a game to Port Harcourt to work because it's huge i mean look at the indoor sports hall at the civic center that's a great yeah. place to play a basketball game so is it possible that at some point and then maybe before this um, when the, everything starts coronavirus ends we can actually bring the basketball game to Port Arco rather than um, leaving it away in Lagos and then secondly you guys have to sort of hire some players some U.S. American players some foreign players How's that relationship going? How are you people dealing with it in the era of this whole COVID-19 shutdown?
4: Well, okay, um, the first question was about uh, what's going to mean for people of Port Harcourt, River State to have their team playing the BL. Trust me, it's been very, been very huge. Our fans have looked forward to the BL taking off, even though we're supposed to play in Lagos. Everybody has been very excited, as in all our fans have been ready to watch television when we're playing. Again, I'm, I'm a veteran now. I have this group of veterans I play with, and every they, we are, people have already booked their tickets and hotel accommodation for Rwanda, because they were sure that we're going to get to Rwanda as River Supers. So Nigerians from Lagos, Abuja, everywhere, we have a veterans chat room, and they had already started making arrangements to be in Rwanda to come watch River Supers play. So it's, it's very huge for us here. It's very huge for our basketball in uh, Port Harcourt River State and Nigeria as a whole. Colin, you asked about um, playing games in Port Harcourt. Uh, You know, the reason why the games were scheduled to take place in Lagos is because our league in Nigeria finished a bit late, not a bit late, finished late uh, last season. At the time we finished our league, the BAO had already sat down and agreed on venues the games we played in Nigeria was chosen because they didn't know who was going to be the champion of the league. So they picked Lagos, which was supposed to be a central venue. Fortunately for us, I don't say it's not unfortunate, fortunately for us, we won it. We're not a Lagos team or a Rivers team, but because the Lagos had been chosen, it had to be that way. Who knows, maybe because of this hold-up, maybe we could change it, I don't know. We had a meeting in Lagos early this year where um, Amar Dufal President Obiel was there and um, Nigeria's Minister for Sports was there. I was in attendance. Um, and then the, the first question, practically the only question I asked them, I said, we want to play in River State, where the champions. We have the venue to play in River State. In 2010, we hosted what they call the Final Eight in River State, the playoffs in River State and date in Nigeria. It was and it's still the biggest playoffs to be hosted in Nigeria in Premier League history. Yes, I have that record. I boast about it very well. <laughs> oh, no, right. I boast about it very well. The biggest, most organized final eight to be hosted in Nigeria. We hosted that in Port Harcourt. It was massive. That was when we had the DSTV Premier League. Okay, so I'm very sure that we could host in Port Harcourt. The Sixth Centre Arena, it's, it's, quite, it's quite large. It could sit between six to 10,000 people. So that's large. We could host in Port Harcourt, but unfortunately, like I said, we finished our league very late, so many of us was chosen. Who knows? Maybe after the coronavirus, we we'll get to sit down again and recognize But one thing I'm one thing I'm 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 hoping for and I'm working towards, like I say to my players, this is supposed to be the inaugural season of the ball. If we don't get to play in Port Harcourt, please I want to be champion of the Nigerian Premier League again next year. So that we go to the ball again next year and then they come and play in Portacot, and let the fans of River Supers in River State get to feel basketball, international basketball as well. Yeah.
1: I was gonna say we've had a lot of questions from your, your Nigerian fans. As soon as they heard you were coming on, the questions was non-stop. And the question wow. one of them was why don't they play a river like why would they play in our, in our hometown why do they need to go anywhere else why can't they do exhibition games at our universities so is there any plans for you to do anything for the fans in your in your state before you go to lagos to take part in the ball well
4: there's, 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 a, there's a lot of consideration there's a lot of consideration going into this um for example before the bill when the bill was supposed to start we were supposed to move our camp from portaka to lagos to camp in Lagos, for certain reasons. One, we want to get used to the pitch. Two, our foreign imports were supposed to join us in Lagos. A lot of Rivers fans nearly killed me. Why are they not coming to Port Harcourt?
0: Yeah.
4: You know? Um, unfortunately, when it comes to the politics, politics of Nigeria, not just sports, it's a bit messy. Um, River State, where we stay in, has had uh, a bit of negative publicity with regards to security. Not that it's that bad, in my opinion. I live here and I, I live my life very, very well, okay? So you have players coming in from the States and they have travel advisories not to get to River State because the American embassy or American government is not going to be talking to them. If they're River State, anything happens to you on your own. And I say to them, funny thing is that your citizens are in River State drilling oil and making money. Yeah. Right, But, yeah, but when it comes to this... So that's why it's a bit difficult to bring our foreign courts here and have exhibition games here. But with the team that is on ground in Nigeria, of course, we play in our home court, we get to play some exhibition games, uh, training matches against selected sites in Port Harcourt, mm-hmm. right? So our fans, I think, I try to tell our fans every time. We have a lot of fans that probably don't even know how to reach us. Mm-hmm. We try as much as possible to be very visible on social media. Get to social media. We have a website. Mm-hmm. Get, get in touch with us. We we'll tell you where to attend our games. We we'll tell you where to watch our trainings. We're there. We love our fans.
2: I will give you that. Um, when we were doing our research and trying to find, you know, uh, the teams, the 12, the 12 teams that are on, be on the B, uh, only Patriots and Rivers were on social media. And their social media was current. And so I do want to give you props on that. And you do have quite a lot of engagement with your fans and things like that. So it was so simple to to be able to reach you. Um, So what does that say about the rest of the the teams in, in the BAL? And what is your advice to the other GMs? Because you guys have somebody who does PR for you or a media person. So it's easy for media to go directly to the source and say, hey, this is what we need. Can you get it right now? We just need we use social media to reach people, right? And so what is your advice to the other all teams. What should they we have for all the teams in terms yeah. of presence and getting engaged with their fans?
4: For for all the teams in uh, all the other teams in Africa, Nigeria, because what you're complaining about, what you're asking me about in Africa happens in Nigeria too. I think we are also the most visible in Nigeria amongst all the teams when it comes to social media and our presence in media. Right. We need to get out there. That's one of the ways we can grow the game. That's one of the way, ways we can build our fan bases. Um, for example, there's a there's a basketball D-ball Niger on Twitter and Facebook and all that, and then they're trying to drive basketball in Nigeria a whole lot. I like, kudos to them. Right? And they got on Twitter recently and we had a discussion, I had a discussion with them. I said, I said, I think that all the all the basketball fans are on Facebook, and they said to me, No go to Twitter, there's, there's there's a lot more on Twitter, but simply because we're not there, so they're not following. So we go to Twitter and we start putting out things on Twitter and we create traffic. There's traffic actually on Twitter and I'm, I'm shocked about it, that there's so much fans on Twitter that love Nigerian basketball, that want to watch Nigerian basketball, want to know what's happening with our Nigerian players. Again, I'm going to use this opportunity to give kudos to my media officer. I do that every time I can. She's amazing. I said, and I say, that when I say it, I'm always scared that someone is going to hear this and take her away. <laughs> I hope they don't. Queen John is amazing. Our media officer is amazing. From when we got on board the team, um, every year she's built something with us. Every year she's made made sure that we're out there. Every year she's made sure that we have disability. She's an amazing person. So clubs need to get a proper media officer, not just not just a journalist because my media officer is more than a journalist. She's a squat journalist, and then she understands the workings of social media, which is the new media, which is what we work with now. So I give a whole lot of kudos and props to her. That's what we need to do. We need to get on the media, we need to get out on social media as clubs in Africa. That's the way we can grow the game. That's the way we can create traffic. That's the way we can get even government's attention to do the right things, to know that there's a lot of people that are interested in this, that want to follow this, that want to live with basketball, and then we're, we're, we're going to make progress that way.
2: My final question to you would be, where are we with the BAL? What do you know? Do you are, Is there going to be a start? Is there not going to be a start? What is happening on the ground? Because we're spread out in different parts of the world and just getting news about where are we going from here is going to be, wh- what's that? What, what, do we, what are you going to tell us? What's the tea? Let us know
4: well there's, there's there's a consensus there's a general consensus from all the countries and clubs involved that the bal should hold the inaugural season should take place this year right we all want to see it happen this year whether it's in august whether it's in september whether it's in december we want to see it happen the build-up and the hype to the BAL has been so massive that it's going to be heartbreaking for it not to happen so there's a general consensus that we want to see it happen Um, The other day I was reading a statement from the FIBA Africa president where he said clearly that we all want to see this happen so we're looking at different scenarios. Um, It's either we're going to go with the initial format of playing the Savannah and the Maya conference in different countries and then gather together to play the playoffs or there's a second option where um, we can look for two countries that are ready to host and then the Savannah and the Maya conferences go there and play and then when we get the final eight, they all go to a country and play. The third option, like he said, is going to be that um, we gather the 12 teams in one country for two weeks and just play and get champions. But what is important is that the 12 countries won the BAL inaugural season to hold this year. It's, it's going to be heartbreaking for it not to hold. For players, for fans, managers, administrators, all of us, we're looking forward to it. So I think it's going to hold at some point this year. It just needs it's going to take a lot of work because the BL team has to sit down. They have to look at every league, every country's national league. They have to check the timetables. They have to check the NBA timetable. They have to check timetables everywhere so that when you're putting the time for the BL, it's not going to be affecting other leagues and stuff like that. So it's going to take some serious work. But We hope it holds.
3: I come from like the music industry and I've noticed in Nigeria and Ghana, but more particularly in Nigeria, there's a lot of money thrown at artists like from brand sponsorships and partnerships. Mm-hmm. Are there any brands that are interested in Nigerian basketball that want to, you know, support or buy Bitbop gradually, you know, build a relationship with your team to, you know, invest in something? Because as much as the TV and the government side brands i'm sure they must have an interest in sports you know it's something that young people definitely want to get engaged in have you been approached by any brands or is that something that's part of your model in the future
4: well we've not been approached by any brands but like you just said it's something that's part of our model in the future even in the the present um like like i said before part of the problems of nigeria basketball african basketball is that government is so involved now Mm. when government is involved and you're a brand the brand doesn't want to get involved in what government is involved in. Or is this being that if I throw, if I'm a brand, I'm, um, any brand, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, whatever, if I throw 100 million at this team to say I'm going to sponsor you, right, and it's a government-owned team, how are you sure that the politicians and the government boys are not just going to be siphoning the money? So it, it's a bit of a problem. Yeah, it's a bit of a problem, but it's a problem that can be fixed. Okay. Um, I have, I have, we have brands in Nigeria that, as a general manager, I'm speaking with. We're speaking with, hoping that we can, we can get their buy-in, get their sponsorship. The model we run in River Super's is that River Super's is government-owned, right? Um, it's owned by the River State Government Ministry of Sports, but is a privately, it's a, it's a registered company, right? It's a PLC a registered company where I am the manager. I run the club, okay. So the guys that are in government have nothing to do with the funds that come in, if you're a brand, they don't get to touch it. You know, right. I, 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 I I'm there. We have a management team that sits and controls that They can only ask us to give them records, to be sure that we're also not siphoning all the monies. So it's something that can be done. Right. We can develop our models that can support brand sponsorship while government involvement is still there. Again, if you do that, there's also an advantage for a brand, if you're a brand. Because if you're a brand that is sponsoring a government club, then then the government has a way of, like I said, give them rebates, give them tax rebates, and then it's going to be okay. But I'm, we're, we're working on stuff, well, some, some things like that, and we hope that it pays off in the near future where we have brands that uh, come on board and sponsor our
0: team.
3: I can see that happening.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you would. Um, If you let me ask you this, and it's sort of like a follow-up to your previous answer before this one. What I'd like to know is how involved are the BAL teams, you know, in the decision-making process of the entire league? And how often do these conversations take place, if any?
4: Well, um, decision-making process, I don't know about that, but I know that conversations happening with me almost every other week i'm in constant touch with the blt whether i'm calling even if i don't in fact i don't think i've ever tried to call them they're always calling me that's the truth the kudos to them they have a fantastic team running the bl i give kudos to them um i have emails almost every other day or almost every other week sorry i have to check my emails very often to make sure i'm not missing anything from the bl team there's correspondence from BL almost every other week. They're doing a great job in keeping us informed. But I cannot say that we're, we've been so much part of the decision making process. Again, I hope we're going to get there. Um, I'm aware that there's, we have a meeting tomorrow. We have a web meeting, a Zoom meeting tomorrow. Um, presidents of the clubs, BL clubs, presidents, managers of BL clubs. I think that meeting is going to offer us the opportunity to make inputs going forward with um, our current situation in the world. So maybe maybe going forward, um, we have inputs in decision making. But so far, I cannot say that we'll be part of the decisions. But I can tell you that the correspondence has been very good. They've been reaching out to us. Whatever I've I've not had any problem that's not been solved by the BL team. Whatever I think is a problem I reach out, it's solved. And they're always there to answer. So I give kudos to them a lot.
1: Oh, that's, that's NBA machine. NBA,
4: they
1: are a hundred emails a day. Yeah. You're just going to have to catch it. Um, but mm-hmm. I want to touch on something that I think is really important as for Africa as a whole. I mean, Nigeria is a powerhouse and if they had their house in order, you guys would be dominating across the board when it comes to sports. I believe in something that, you know, I always like to call it sports tourism. If that, if we clean house, and make everything work in africa when it comes to sports there's no one in the world that can compete with any of us now mm-hmm. how do we even get that started how do we get the government to understand that by building infrastructures and putting policies in place that we can follow to generate money that economically it will benefit everybody how do we even start a conversation with them?
4: this is one that affects all of us in africa take for example what you're doing today with the bar podcast um the way that teams are beginning to get out there on social media making themselves. Visible in the media, I think that's one way we can go about it. alright? I think um, the more we get out there, if we have, <laughs> Colin, you did just do that. <laughs> Colin, Colin, you did just do that. I
1: <laughs> no, you. That's so oh, annoying. Colin. Come on.
4: <laughs> okay, it's a goal from Colin. All right. So, I think that um, we have to be. We have to be very visible. With Football has been visible in Africa, but even at that, football has not broken through to in Africa. We, when you, you don't have people coming from, for example, the teams that play in Nigeria in football. You don't have people coming, players coming from other African countries. Very few of them. We talked about sports tourism. People coming, we going, no? But we can sign players from outside to come play. We don't have so much of that here. If Nigeria, if we if we in Nigeria get out there, we have massive followership in sports. If we can get out there, get our media visibility top-notch, people start talking about, if we create enough traffic on social media, take, for example, the entire world is shouting about um, George Floyd, right? So something's gonna happen, something's happening in America. Um, In Nigeria, we had, a couple of weeks ago, we had issues about, unfortunately, where a young girl was raped, and it got out there on social media, so the entire Nigeria today is talking about rape, okay? we need to get out on social media we need to create that kind of buzz on social media the traffic is so much that government stands still and then listen like there's something to be gotten in sports apart from that then we'll just keep praying that one day you have a president that understands that sports is supposed to be a business that's just where we are you just pray that you have a minister that understands and this, this is not just for nigeria it's in every african country Right, Where if you you get a minister or a president, a minister for sports or a president that doesn't believe in sports, then you're messed up. The entire couple of years where he's gonna be there, you guys are gonna struggle. So it's either we're gonna make enough noise and get government to understand that there's a lot we can do with sports. Even in the little we do now in sports, the young boys that leave Nigeria and go to the States to play, once they get to the States to play, they start making some money, even as much as college. They start making some money and their families are changed. Changed forever. Their families are taken care of forever because they're in college in America playing ball. Some money start coming in. If they get to the D League or any kind of league, their families are changed. I know of a particular family where the, this kid went to America and started playing ball. And then he got his kid brother to join him in America. And his other kid brother today, the last of them that is in America is joining the NBA. Um, Precious Achua that should be his name. He's joining the NBA. He's on the draft. Okay? And his family's life has changed forever. So this is what we're talking about. Government needs to understand this. It's one of the ways that we can get our youth of um, drugs, of anything down. I give myself as an example. In as much as I was from a good home and a bit okay to do, one of the reasons why I probably didn't fall into drugs and into vices, very different vices, was because I had basketball. I had something to look forward to. I had something to want to play. Okay, so I didn't want to destroy that. Even if I didn't. I didn't know I was going to make money from basketball. I didn't know I was going to make a profit from basketball. I just had something to look forward to. I had something to exert my energy at. So I didn't have any other energy to go start doing drugs. All the energy is to go and start joining cults. Okay, all that didn't happen in my life because I had basketball with me. These are things that governments in Nigeria and in Africa need to understand.
1: I'm very happy that you brought up the situation of the incident that happened in Nigeria with the rape case of that young girl. Because we Mm -hmm. talked about it on the podcast and we said, you know, this was a great opportunity for, for us to see some of the ballers step up and really use their voice to impact and influence the society in regards to these kind of issues are not okay. You know, you can't beat up your girlfriends. You can't rape your wife. You can't rape a girl that's going to school. But, you know, NBA is very good at social justice where players use their voice to really create impact. And it would be great to see African teams also adopt to try and change kind of traditions and way of thinking for generations to come. Do you see, you know, Rivers Hoopers doing that going forward whilst in the BAL?
4: No, it's important. I think it's important that we all we all jump on this. Um, especially because we're we're a male team, we're not a female team. Um part of what I've done, this is this is very personal, I've in my many years of um, managing the River Sweepers, I've been approached severally, talked to my government to float a female basketball team to play in the league. And I've run away from it severally. And it's, it's very personal for me to run away from it because I know that the relationship between guys and girls, especially when there are young men around, I have male players and then there are female players, it's difficult to control, right? So it's something that I think that we need to we need to jump on as, as a club, as players all around Africa. We need to use our voices to tell people that what we, what we do not realize is that people listen to us. People actually look at players as role models, right? Even if you're not earning so much in Nigeria, there are people that actually wake up and the first thing they do when they hold their phones is to look at what you posted on Facebook, look at what you're saying about stuff as players. So we need to use our voices to talk against societal ills. Rape is a no-no. Rape is a no-no. Drug addiction, no-no. There are things we need to talk about as players. And I think that uh, going forward, definitely the river sweepers will make use of our voices, will make use of our position as players that people look up to, as a club that people look up to, and get to address most of these issues.
1: What are your thoughts on um, Black Lives Matter and what's going on in America?
4: I, 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 some black, black lives actually matter. Every life, every life matters. I watched that video and till today, I think every time I think about it, every time I remember watching a guy's life snuffed out of him, it gives me the chills. You know, it's one thing for someone to be shot to death, it's another for him to be practically strangled to death, and you're watching that on video now. It's, my thought is that the reason why there's so much uproar about this is practically because we actually saw him being strangled to death. You know that 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 takes. If you don't if you don't feel remorse, if you don't feel angry about that, then your humanity there's something wrong with your humanity. You're not human. Whether he was black, whether he was white, you strangled the person to death. You doing the strangulation. You're actually not human too. It's it's crazy. But I think that, um, by and large, I thought about this a whole lot. I think that we we're talking about Black Lives Matter. It's happening in America. There are different several countries in Africa where people have done protests Black Lives Matter. And then we sort of forget that in Africa, we've had to deal with xenophobia, where Black people don't even like their fellow Black people to come stay around them or grow around them in business or in whatever, because they're from somewhere else. These are things that need to be dealt with. It's not about being black or white. We're human beings. Black, black lives matter. White lives matter. Every life matters. Females matter. Males matter. Once we know that lives matter, then even rape is not going to be an issue because we know that lives matter. So we need to push the conversation to a point where we say lives matter, not just the black lives matter. I've, I've, I speak to my friends or... I have, I have players that used to play with there in America I have uh, friends that are in the States and sometimes I talk to them and they say, you don't even want to know what some black people go through in the hands of their fellow black people in America, right? So we need to know that lives matter, not just black lives, every life matters. We need to we need to respect each other. We need to just love each other. In fact, we don't have to love each other, just respect each other. Just know that this person is human. I don't need to love you. Let me. I just respect you, respect your space, respect what you stand for. Even if what you stand for is not what I stand for. I just need to respect you it's something we need to do and again i was thinking about this earlier today and i i think that part of the opportunity that the basketball africa league offers is that is that it can address issues like this when you travel like the uh, the initial the initial uh, plan for the BL, where we had to travel countries and back when you have teams that travel out of their domains go and play in other countries you get to know how other cultures are you get to feel other people. You get to respect other people and where they're coming from and what they're going through. Okay? I can imagine I go to Angola to play and I'm going to respect the Angola. I'm going to know what the Angolan culture is like. I'm going to feel what the Angolans feel. When you come to Nigeria to play, of course, we're going to make them feel very comfortable as much as we can. Very extremely comfortable, almost too comfortable. But, yeah, yeah but they're going they're going to be here and they're going to understand our culture. They're going to know where we're coming from. They're going to know what it's like being Nigerian, you know, in the, in the post, uh, shortest possible time, what's uh, the shortest time that they're here with us. Same thing will apply to the Egyptian, whether he's white-skinned or he's black-skinned. If he travels with his team to Nigeria to play, he's going to understand what the Nigerians are. And then he's going to know that Nigerians are not just volatile, Nigerians are not wicked people. Nigerians can be accommodating. When I go to Egypt to play, as black as I am, even if they're going to be, there's going to be 90% white crowd there, so to speak, okay, I'm going to know that they're not going to kill me. I'm going to understand that they are hospitable people too and that way we can respect other. so that's part of the opportunities that the basketball africa league um will offer to us to to the entire africa okay so, so again
1: so did you hear this so colin said when we host them we're going to make sure the ladies go back to husbands. <laughs> I told you something. So Colin, yeah. already married,
3: seems
1: yeah. to think that us three ladies are also married to him. Like it's not like we even have a choice. Is this something that a behavior all Nigerian men have, or is it just Colin by himself?
4: Well, um, we're attracted to very beautiful ladies. <laughs> so My forgive goodness. us. You, you three of you, I'm looking at three of you, very beautiful. We're attracted to beautiful ladies, so don't don't blame Colin.
1: It's oh my gosh. Amazing, amazing. We like just to a...
0: take care of women. We like it oh, to take yes. care of women. Yeah. And you ladies are special, beautiful, oh, very special very intelligent, very smart, <laughs> entrepreneurial, yeah. everything. You know? Yeah. Oh, my
1: God. oh
2: gosh. Oh my gosh. I just you know what? Let me let me just ask my question and <laughs>
3: let, let, let let Colin go. With
0: no special package.
3: <laughs> no, 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 please, none of that. I beg. Please. <laughs>
2: um so if you you mentioned something about something be, it being personal for you to start a woman's basketball team now as a female who who's a who's a basketball player herself who loves basketball and um we sometimes especially i play i'm from south africa so i played in south africa we sometimes feel very left out and unseen by men, not, not just in basketball, but in life in general, we are just not seen one. Um, and so why is it so difficult? And I get it. You cannot control the dynamics that will happen between male and female when you start, a um, but can you not be a trailblazer in that and starting a woman's basketball team and actually developing, um, structures that will help navigate the dynamics between the two in any shape or form because i feel there probably are women in your state that would love to be part of river hoopers as a basketball player but there's not that opportunity so how do you how do you just bridge that gap and almost take yourself away from um your personal um convictions to actually doing
4: something for women No, you're you're putting me on the spot this is this is really you putting me on the spot <sighs> wow well it's it's like right, i don't know it's it's a whole it's a whole lot difficult it's a whole lot difficult um you, when you start a female basketball team you have young kids females and their parents put them in your care right their parents expect that they're in your care so they're supposed to be okay. And then you're not there all the time. You're not with them all the time. You're not going to monitor them all the time. It's it's very difficult. At some point, I know that a former NBA player, Mata Ben Macri, a former WNBA player, sorry, Mata Ben and Macri was trying to start a female team in River State. And I think that plan is still on. And River Supers that was going, we're going to support her. As much as we can, any way we can, we're going to support our staff. We need staff to train the people, uh, place to play, whatever they need. We're going to support them as much as we can. But right now, for me, me as the general manager of River Hookers, for me right now, it's going to be very difficult. Um, what 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 I what I encourage when it comes to the finals you know, is first of all now we're starting a team, right? A team that can compete in the Premier League you're not talking about kids. You're not talking about girls between the ages of 12 to 16. You're talking about 16 and above. That's more difficult to handle. So what I advocate for now in my sphere is with the kids around me, including my daughter. My daughter goes to the basketball court in OGRE where there's a there's an academy run by my friend, right? So we have male, we have female kids. They go there They learn. Now, if we start from there, to build them, to train them, not just in basketball, but in morals. Not just the female, we're talking about both female and male. Then it's a better way, by the time they get to 16 and we want to put them in a team, it's easier to know that you're sure of character, you're sure of attitude, you're sure that you've instilled some sort of discipline in these children. And then they can start playing at points where you don't have to monitor them all the time. But when it comes to putting together a team that's going to operate in high levels, we're talking about employing adults, female adults, male adults, side by side. It's not easy. I don't want to go into that. I'm sorry. It's, it's difficult for me. I think, it's
1: probably, I think it's probably the right way because in Africa, so many years born and raised in Ghana myself, I didn't get into sports until I got to the UK. And then I was in sports all the way to, until I was 25, you know, but I think going forward, as everybody gets excited about women's sports, we also can't forget about the women of Africa but let's start from the grassroots. you know, let's start them young. So by the time they get to 16, 17, 18, it's second nature to them. So messing around with boys and those things are not what's on their, in their mind. It's them becoming the best sports athletes they can be for whatever team that they're playing for. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to bring this to an end, but every this question we ask every single person that comes on a VAL podcast. It is for you to select your top five, your starting five, nba players of african you know african heritage of all time who would you have in your starting five
4: nba players of african heritage akim oladjiwa oh,
1: every Nigerian Le- that. oh of
4: course <laughs> um who else who else who else i gonna put there oh okay so right now i have um and i think he's an amazing player um victor victor
1: ladifo yes
4: yeah. Uh, that's 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 gonna be my point guard. It's fantastic. The Kimolaji center. Um, am I gonna pick? What am I gonna pick? Am I gonna
1: pick?
2: It doesn't have to be in 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 um positions. I know us as basketball
1: players will put them in different <laughs> yeah. positions. It could be anybody. It could be anybody. Your top five of all time best African players of in the NBA. <laughs>
4: you, know, you you know what you know what? <laughs> I'm tempted to just call Nigerian names. <laughs> Racism! <laughs> well, well, this is Nigerianism. I'm tempted to just call Nigerian names. So forgive me. Uh, wow, uh, this is big. Uh, I can, I can hardly the pick a the top five.
1: I can hardly pick a top five, forgive me. Do you want uh, help from Tabi? I can help you with one. Who's that? I would say oh, Fessizili Fes- when he was playing. Fessizili,
4: yeah. Festus was massive. Festus was massive. Um, but I think injuries injuries kind of slowed him down. But he was really massive. Who else? want to like help
1: him? I would be he I would say, say Siakam.
4: Pascal Siakam, massive guy. <laughs> but but he's, okay, young, all right.
2: so he's he's still young, so he's still got time. You know. Yeah, he's still, he still has time.
4: He still has time, and he's maturing, and he's, he's been doing massive things in the NBA. How about
2: that? Um,
4: Surge. I, I
0: knew Benny was going to say Surge. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I was just waiting for Benny to say Serge. <laughs> I knew that right. was being
1: thrown in there. I knew it. I knew it. No, I was actually going to say Bismack Bismack yombo because nobody ever chooses him, and he's a massive guy. I think it's well,
4: well, they're both massive. Bismack Bionbo, Serge Bakker. Oh well, let me go with Surge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: We've picked happy. Buddy- I was gonna say, who are your top? This is this is not you as a general manager. This is you as a person and enjoying life. Who are your mm-hmm. top five uh, music artists in Nigeria at the moment? Who are you listening to?
4: Oh, music! I'm a music fan, but I, I hardly I hardly follow music artists. Um, if, if I if I tell you that I'm Mali, just slap me already. <laughs> 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 useless use,
0: use, use boy. Oh, Benny, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you guys a story after this. Okay. Oh looking
4: forward unfortunately the guys that are most popular nowadays are guys that are crazy like Naramali. but my yep. top 5 artists um, i'd go with Wizkid Whiskey is massively talented i'd go with um, Burner Boy massively talented Asha she's been a bit oh, out of the scene for a while but I, I, I love her kind of, i agree with you she's
3: um she's uh, not not people too much paid too much attention to her she's amazing
4: yeah, that's because maybe um, her music, her kind of music is not so commercial.
3: Yeah.
4: It's, it's music for the mature mind, so.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. I, 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 Asha, I love Asha. Um, who else? Two-Face, Two-Face, Two-Face. Two-Face is a guy for all time.
0: Mm. Two-Face
4: is a guy for all time. Someone that you must, you must respect in the music industry. And then, let's see. Let's pick a female again.
3: Please, Can we, we need a female
4: were salvage okay yeah. yeah she's still going to well. yeah she's represented globally
3: too. yeah yeah beautiful so no, Colin, why it. no Colin, why no why are you not in your head uncle collin why are you not in your head
0: uh um, for me is like um beyonce you know yes i don't, I, I don't fancy both to be honest I, I can listen to beyonce's music every now and then but i'm not like crazy about beyonce's music so same thing with tiwa i'm not particularly crazy about tiwa song. look asha trust me I, I will listen to asha from now until next year like yeah. mm-hmm. and then over again and then forever you know because that is music mm-hmm. yeah she yeah that,
3: that yeah. i agree with you colin she's she's Overlooked, to be no, Aries. I do just yeah. like the girls that pretend to read Bibles. That's what ah, you. No, no. no.
0: no. no. You're not listen, Benny, you know Asha. Listen, have you listened, her. To her. Benny? Have you She's listened to
3: Asha? <laughs> <a number. laughs> I'll, I'll put it in a. Pl- I'll put it in a playlist. Don't worry. Exactly. Oh, Adderant,
1: But you know what? Ife, it's been so nice having you on the show. We will, you know, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person when we start the BAL tour because I'll be with you, traveling with the whole team. Uh, but I can't wait to talk to you in person, meet your team, and see how well you guys do going forward. Thank you please do come back for everybody else that's tuned into the BAL podcast. Don't forget to go and follow the Rivers Hoopers on Instagram, on Twitter and Facebook. They are everywhere. Go and show your support because we know your Nigerian audiences, you're out there. You're always hustling me to find out more. Go and follow the man. He will tell you himself. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else you can get podcasts. We are there. i feel miss Miss Benibonsu. Bonsu. And Tabi, DJ Aries, Colin, thank you so much for joining me. And we'll speak to you guys next week.